A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, I've got the giggles. We haven't even started. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's been one of those mornings where I can't stop laughing and then I've been good for the last half an hour and then I just started again. I think you and I might actually be getting less mature as we age. Is that a possibility? Excellent. I think this is fabulous. (laughs) I think so too. Before we go on, I had someone say to me the other day, who actually is Nat? (laughs) She is just Nat. Maybe I'm going for the same like Madonna, Nat. I think so. I don't think so. I think I'm known as Nat Kringudis. Doctor of Chinese medicine. Knower <laughs> of things about hormones. Noah. Let's get into today's episode, which is really about a super important issue that affects every single one of us. And again, we're not talking about We're not talking about mm, this. I know, right? Well, let's um, let our guest introduce herself for today. Uh, so, my name's Jen O'Neill. Um, I had a heart attack uh, three years ago, a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. Um, I was only 36. I had two young kids, one a toddler, one a baby. I was breastfeeding um, and had no, uh, there was no risk factors for me having a heart attack. It just happened out of the blue. I can't actually even imagine what it would be like to be a Mm mum, a wife, and then experience that kind of trauma or or a condition or, you know, mm. whatever we call it. And then what happens with all that? Like <laughs> all your you jobs know, keep on ticking along, don't they? Well, children still need mm-hmm. their mother, husbands still need their partners. It, it's it's a lot to consider. It's mm. not like, you know, you're gonna have a baby. You know what's gonna happen. Yes. You work towards it, you've got a plan in place. You don't plan on having a heart attack. No, you don't. And this is one of the issues that we're faced with that is young, let's call us young women. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not something that you would necessarily have on your radar. I mean, you you probably know people that have had breast cancer or, you know, things that affect women of a certain age, but you just don't think that heart attack is one of them. No, absolutely. So, you know, like you said, it's not spoken about enough and SCADS will learn stands for Spontaneous Coronary Artery Dissection. Well, look, I didn't really know much about it, but Jen is a sister of a friend of mine and her story really, whilst it was new to us, it isn't new to a lot of women because they have actually lived this. It's four times more likely in women of this age than breast cancer. That is insane because we all are very, very aware of breast cancer Mm. and the risk of breast cancer and there's a lot of awareness around around that. Um, We asked Jen what actually happened to her. Sure. Well, I was eating dinner um, with my husband and telling him about my day and all of a sudden I had this horrible pain right in my left breast on the side and and I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Maybe it's mastitis because I was still breastfeeding and then it went straight down my arm to my fingertips. Um, and all of a sudden I had this horrible urge to vomit. I felt really nauseous and so I ran to the bathroom and I got a bit sweaty and hot. Um, my husband, um, who's a police officer, knew straight away it was a heart attack and thought it was a bit strange <laughs> for someone young to be having um, a heart attack. Uh, but he he wanted me to call the ambulance, which I refused because I thought I'd be wasting their time. <laughs> and so, Such a female approach. It really is. It really is. So don't do what I did. <laughs> anyway, so he ended up um, convincing me to go to hospital um, where... 
they took my uh, took my blood test and it, uh, they found that my troponin levels had risen, showing that there was some sort of heart stuff going on. Um, and I was in there for about eight days. They did an angiogram and it showed that my artery had actually torn. So I was diagnosed with having a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. So basically um, a tear had formed in one of my blood vessels and that sort of blocked or slowed down the um, blood flow to my heart and that that's what caused the heart attack. Look, she mentioned that there were no warning signs, no family history, no high blood pressure or cholesterol issues. Which, I mean, is not like you can then, you know, go, oh, I have the BRCA gene, I need to do mm. this, this and this. I mean, I guess that this area probably needs more research around it and that's why we don't know a lot about it. But you and I are the perfect age bracket mm. f- and, well, we're at risk, really, if you think about it. I know. <laughs> and, but, you know, what are we doing to to create this awareness? And like I said, there's just, I guess there's a lot behind certain um, illnesses and, and campaigning for awareness. I think that, I mean, we're lucky we have an opportunity to talk about this. I think Absolutely. it's important. So we asked her if it is so common, did the doctors give her an explanation of why it had happened? Well, the issue is we don't actually know what causes it. So there's some studies being done into it at, the, at this point in time, um, the Victor Chang Institute is doing a DNA study, which I'm part of and a lot of other Aussie survivors are part of as well, where they collected our DNA and they're comparing them and um, trying to find some commonalities there. Also, the Mayo Clinic over in the US are also doing a study as well. So she did mention that 80% of women and those who have given birth within 12 months may be at a higher risk because oh. they are thinking, but they don't actually know that there may be association with hormones. So that makes sense. Well, it does make sense. Mm. If you think about postpartum, how much is going on in your body? Oh my goodness. Um, what uh, even happens postpartum? No. Like those first few months, Yeah, there's this haze. Someone said to me yesterday, actually, we were talking about coming out the other side of that. Um, It was actually one of the women at the gym and she was there with her baby. And she's like, why doesn't anyone tell you? And she said, it's like the secret lockdown (laughs) that no one, and I'm like, even if we were to all talk, and we do talk about it, I think, more than ever. You don't You can't be prepared for that. You really can't. And the good news is it's really only the first time around. Second time around, the haze lifts a lot quicker, I think. Did you experience the haze I, I don't know. I think the last <laughs> five years of my life have been haze, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I just feel like I remember that moment where I was like, mm. I had a shower, I washed my hair, mm. and I kind of had it all together. And it was probably eight weeks after having Olivia and went, oh, there's time to do something else, actually, yes. if I wanted. Like, You're not it just writing just, down feeds and trying oh, to squeeze a shower. I never wrote and, them down. I just... Oh, I did. Oh, I never wrote anything. But I didn't know anything about anything. Oh, well, I never wrote. I didn't know how to change a nappy when I I had a baby. I know some people that had wristbands that would change it from side to side of whichever breast that they'd fed from last. I'm like, I barely had enough milk. It was like, just drain me. Get it all out, baby. Get it (laughs) all out. Get it where you can get it. I know, right? Um, I I do think, though, that um, if you think about how much stress um, Jen particularly would have been under having little ones and, you know, recovering Mm. and all those things that we, we get through, like if you've had a baby, that, that first year in our culture, I think it is a big cultural thing. We put so much pressure on ourselves to get back to work, to get back into shape, to have a house that's not just a one massive pile of washing. Mm. You know, like there's all these pressures and, and really that combined with the hormones, 
has to be a factor, doesn't it? Absolutely. But I think that we think of old men when we have a heart oh, attack, yes. don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you do think about someone having a heart attack, you do think of an overweight um, older man sweating and clutching his chest. And that's not always how it happens, particularly for women. And it's interesting because heart disease is the number one killer of Australian women. It's four times more likely than breast cancer, for wow. women to die than breast cancer in Australia. So it's it's certainly something that's it's a massive concern. And I think the thing is, particularly with this type of heart attack, which isn't your normal, regular um, blocked artery type of heart attack, it's, it's easy for us women to ignore the signs. And I mean, I certainly did try to ignore them. I, th- I was going to try and go to bed. And it's interesting because I did lie down and I felt worse. I felt so much worse for it. And now when, you know, I was told later, no, lying down is probably one of the worst things you can do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did try to um, avoid it, but it was just lucky that my husband forced me to go to hospital and said, you know what, those symptoms are quite severe. We need to do something about it. You know, I thought about this yeah. and my husband would not have responded that way. (laughs) He would be very happy, not because he's trying to be awful. He would be just like, go and lie down, have a rest, because I am that person Mm. that would say, oh, I'll be fine. I'll Mm. be fine. Really, I was actually quite like, oh, I don't know what would happen to me in that instance because now I'm aware, but if I'm not aware, I probably would have gone and lied down. You know what's interesting? In the times that I've been unwell, yes, my husband shuts down. He doesn't actually know what to do with that. And it's taken me a long time to work that out. Mm. He can't deal with it. It's actually easier for me not to say something. And that's not his fault. He's just not good with that. It's confrontational to him in his own mind. Like Mm. someone that I love, there could be a problem. I had a lump in my shoulder. It's nothing. It's just a little tiny lump. Mm. I've had it checked out. It's totally nothing. He, he, shuts down. He didn't talk to me for two days because he doesn't know what to do with it. He's not emotionally able, Mm. which again is another issue because if you can't talk about it and you're you're at risk of like rocking the boat, Mm. who do we talk about these things with? And this is why I think this sense of community is really important, but we're we're pretty bad at at tuning in as well. You know, I, like I said, I'd just be like, I'm just going to go and lie down. Well, I think I said to you in a, a another podcast, I went to the physio a little while ago and we were talking about being hyperflexible and she was saying that people who do have hyperflexibility in their joints and stuff uh, have an increased risk of being tired at the end of the day and being more anxious. And I thought, oh, that's me. Mm. But isn't everyone tired well, and anxious? Like, isn't that, like, how do you differentiate, like you say, between, oh, I'm not feeling well and, oh, my arm's a bit sore, I'll just go and have a lie down to actually I'm having a heart attack? <laughs> well, I think, I know it's not funny, but I think for her what she mentioned was that when she did lie down it was worse. So I guess how smart is your body? Mm. And then I guess we sometimes are forced to listen. It's yep. not that we're, you know, not in tune. We actually have to listen because your body is screaming out so loudly that yes. something's not quite right. Intuition, people. Totally. So we got to asking Jen about what was the biggest thing she learnt from her, I want to say experience. Oh, it was. I guess so. You're 100% right. We don't trust our bodies. Um, and there may have been signs for me upon reflection that I should have listened to, although it was spontaneous, it did happen all of a sudden, but Mm. my stress levels and emotional distress is actually one of the factors that could also be linked to SCAD, which is interesting. Um, But we don't slow down. As as women, as mums, we're so busy, often we're working, often, you know, we're running a household. It's it's really difficult. Um, 
The biggest thing for me, my biggest learning was was actually to slow down and was to trust my body. It took a long time for me to trust it again. I felt, I went through this, I guess, a bit of a grief process because I felt like it let me down. And then I had this realisation, you know, probably around six months ago that, you know what, it actually saved me. My body actually saved me. It didn't let me down at all. It was trying to warn me. So um, yeah, it's, it's just about knowing your new limits. It's so interesting, isn't it, how life throws these rude awakenings at us? And they happen in all kinds of ways, don't they? Like even in my life, my husband injured himself recently on a mountain bike. And it was traumatic for the first couple of days and we realised he's going to be okay, so that's all fine, it's great, he's going to be able to work, da-da-da-da-da, life goes on. However, it's been an interesting line in the sand in our household for a number of reasons and one of them being the kids, right? So we've got two kids that are able, at an age where they're able to do a bunch of things for themselves but they choose not to because watching TV and and running around in the backyard is much Mm -hmm. more fun. But because he's been unable to do some things for himself, he's enlisted their help and they've just had to do it because there's no... really interesting, So it's so interesting that there's been a positive come from something that initially was not a positive whatsoever. So we do have these awakenings, whether it's something as massive as having a heart attack Mm. and I guess it's like that near-death experience kind of arrangement as well. Um, Where It just makes you reassess what's going on in your life and just take stock a little. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I know that Jen went to talk about how that whole support and that community and having a group around her has actually kept her afloat. Um, I think, gosh, I just find that this conversation is really important. So I'm part of a um, SCAD survivor group called SCAD Research Australia, which is a um, survivor-led group set up by, um, by... survivors to try and raise awareness, but also to try and raise funds Uh for the Mayo Clinic, but also the Victor Cheng Institute, because as I mentioned before, we just don't know the reasons um, why women and some men are having SCADs and we need to try and work that out. I guess it's so powerful being part of a group with other women and men who have been through exactly the same thing Mm. that you've gone through, because I think it's hard for someone else to understand what it, what it's actually like and the impact and the fatigue and, you know, um, the medication side effects and all these different things um, that normally, you know, a, a normal health, healthy person wouldn't have. So it's, just, it's been really powerful for me connecting with these other, particularly the women um, in si- similar situations. You know, there's women who have actually given birth and then a week later have had massive heart attacks with little newborn babies and it's mm. just, it's so scary. Women have died Mm. from this Um, and they do think that, you know, oftentimes um, it's getting missed in the diagnosis stage. Well, yeah, she's hit the nail on the head because as women particularly, we don't like to feel like we're going through things alone. We feel... I think this is a generalisation, but I do believe more so than men that we reach out to the women around us and go, I've been going through this. Does that resonate with you? Mm. Yes, great. Okay, I'm normal. Oh, that's You know good what can know. also be interesting about that is that you just said men don't, whether they need it or not, they just don't do it. Well, mm. it doesn't resonate with them to do it. Mm. And I know that my 
Chris used to get really upset with me when I would go and s- discuss things with other people. He'd say, can you not keep your life private? But <laughs> what he, he needs... To this I know, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's nothing here that I've said that I wouldn't say to him anyway. But the yeah. point is that what we need as women varies from what men need and that can be misunderstood of being, you know, oversh- an oversharer yep. or... But it's like, well, that's what we need to be the best version of ourselves. That's right. It's really interesting. Um, This is a good discussion. I think we need to keep on going, but let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back after this. On this episode of The Wellness Collective, we are discussing heart matters, matters of the heart, Mm. but not in love. We're talking about the actual physical thing that is in your chest, keeping you alive. And the fact that we need to be really aware of what's going on with that heart in our chest because SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection, is something that affects a lot of women and uh, it's just not something that we're talking about. Now, before we got um, into the break, we were discussing community mm. and how Jen had found a community of survivors of SCAD and they'd supported each other through it. And I just wanted to take a sec to say that's what this podcast is about too, right? It's about community and about sharing experiences. And I love the fact that we don't just have the experts telling people Absolutely. what they should be doing or how they should be approaching things, but we discuss things from the point of view of like Jen. She's lived through Mm. it. So Mm. we can learn from her experience. She's part of the community. Absolutely. And I think that's so important to come back to all of the time is that, Mm. you know, there are people out there that have had similar experiences or felt a similar way, even if it's a different experience, but Mm. know how you feel. Um, And coming together and talking about it, um, I think that's part of the, not therapy, that's not the right word, but I guess recovery or just living your best life. Like I love that term. Living your best life. Are any of us living our best <laughs> lives just yet? We're trying We're really it. hard. <laughs> they wanted me to have an angiogram and the angiogram was the only thing that actually uh, where they went in and they thought my heart was spasming but it wasn't. It was actually had a big dissection. Wow. So they did pump me full of this anti-spasm stuff. I remember lying there on the table. The doctor, before we went in, the doctor said to me, look, we're just expecting, this is just, this is just one of those things we need to do. We're just expecting to, it to be stress. And I remember lying there on the table thinking, oh, beauty, you know, this is just one of those things you've got to go through. Yeah, this will yeah, be yeah. a story for next week, you know. Anyway, um, then all of a sudden he started, obviously he put the um, little wire up through my artery and down into my heart region and and there was these, they were muttering, the nurses and the doctors were muttering to each other and they pumped me full of this stuff and he said, can you see what I can see? Oh, no. And I'm thinking there's this massive big TV next to me and I'm thinking I can't see anything. I don't know what he's talking about. But um, anyway, he came up to me after a while after they started rushing around and he goes, okay, we've got... Um, there's a few things going on with you. It's not just stress. We're not 100% sure to, what to do. We can either stent you, you may need open heart, or um, we can just leave it and um, we'll, we'll do a case conference at Royal North Shore Hospital and see what's going on. So thankfully what they did was they left it and they did the case consultation um, with the other doctors at, at the Royal North Shore Hospital and it came back that, yes, it was it was this um, 
diagnosis. So that was very scary. I was lying there and I just started crying and I couldn't move because I had this wire in me. (laughs) And this beautiful nurse was dabbing my eyes, you know, with this tissue and holding my hand. And and I just thought, this is, this is surreal. I actually felt so dizzy because it just felt so surreal and, and strange. But yeah, so that was um, a bit of a shock when they actually told me. A bit of a shock. Holy moly. I remember actually being at the hospital when my father-in-law was re-diagnosed with cancer. So he'd been in remission for several years. Mm. Um, He was living his best life. He went out there and just (laughs) kept on living life as if there was, you know, no need to change anything. And it was so unexpected. So, you know, I would have... Had we anticipated that it was going to be a diagnosis that the cancer was back, I don't think it would have been me and my in-laws who taking him to the taking him yeah, and Olivia running around in the in the mm. waiting room at the hospital. Um, it was awful because it was completely out of the blue, mm. and I wonder, you know, is it better to know in these situations or anticipate? the worst? Or is it better to receive that news at the time? I don't know. We're all different. So I guess, you know. Oh, I don't know. But it was awful because it was just language barrier, Mm. just the shock. Um, I I vividly remember that day. Yes. Mm. I think too, sometimes the the way that uh, medical professionals can communicate things can also uh, exacerbate this. Of but, course. you know, and that's I a guess, whole other debate. Totally, and I think that they're doing the best job they can, but they've probably uh, seen another five people already yes. by 10.30 with the same diagnosis that, you know, at some point it, you have to become a little bit immune to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is awful, mm. but, I mean, they're just doing their job as well. So it, it is really, really difficult, and I think maybe you know, having the right care at that point in time is very important too. It can be completely a shock. So they um, medically managed me with medication. Mm -hmm. So I was on um, lots of different medication, which um, was quite fun with some quite fun side effects, (laughs) particularly as, you know, blood thinners. um, As a woman, when you get your period, that's really fun. (laughs) Yeah, um, well, what, well, you, you can go into that more if you like because yeah. we do talk about periods quite a lot okay. on this show. So. Sure, yeah. So it was, uh, I'm no longer on this particular medication, but it was um, extremely, extremely heavy, mm. terribly, terribly heavy. Um, I felt quite anemic and sick. I'd bruise a lot um, and I still do with some of the medication I'm on now, which I'll be on probably for the rest of my life, just as a preventative. I guess this is one thing that she probably wasn't considering when she was in there and thinking about how does my life continue after this situation where I've had a heart attack and I've got little kids and a life and how is this going to keep on going? Mm. I mean, we don't consider the side effects a lot of the time, do we? I think often they're life-saving. The medication that we might take at the time saves Mm. our life. Um, and then, you know, then you've got the added complication of medications and side effects. I always say to patients, how do we get you on the lowest to no dose with no symptoms? Yes. So obviously this is a bit different because it's preventative, but still how can you rally what you know and always be, you know, able to even, even if you're taking something to counteract you know, the yes. side effects of something else. How can we minimise that safely with uh, someone's doctor? And I think that's a really important conversation to be having because your doctor is is going to say, oh, well, you feel nauseous now. Oh, well, let me give you some anti-nausea medication. Oh, well, now your stomach is, you mm. know, you've got stomach issues. Oh, let me give you something for that. It, it's sort of like, oh, well, could we treat the nausea naturally? Is there an option for that? Explore your options. Look at other therapies that don't involve you taking something. Acupuncture is a brilliant example. You don't, there's no interaction. There's nothing, yep. you know, unless 
I would say the caution around acupuncture might be um, some heart conditions you do need to be aware of and pregnancy is another thing. You need mm-hmm. to see someone who actually knows what they're doing. It was really funny the other day. Um, there was a patient in the waiting room and she was explaining to a friend how she loves to come to our clinic. Yeah. And she said, her friend said, oh, I just go up the road to my acupuncturist is just, you know, like... <laughs> a tenth of the price of what we charge. Yeah. And but but the treatment that she was getting, my, my this patient was laughing because she was like, well, she's not getting anywhere. And it can't be that great of experience <laughs> if it's like two dollars fifty, can it? You know, the shopping yeah. center or whatever. And I just think it's really important that we put a value on our our health. And I see this often in the clinic, but you, you just need to explore. If she's having awfully heavy periods, what mm. could we do around that? Because obviously that's that's debilitating too in itself. The bruising was like my legs, I get eczema on my legs and so I'd scratch and it had just, just the pressure of me simply scratching my leg would come out in a oh, massive wow. bruise. Oh, it's so, it's just so interesting that this is one of those things where it, it's right there. Like it's something we need to think about. And okay, we don't have the answers about how we prevent, uh, but we need to be aware. The whole idea of research in specific areas, I think it's we need to have that awareness around many things that are happening, not mm. just focus on one. I always and we say- we need more women voices. Yeah, I always say that, you know, choose something that's close to your heart. So obviously for us, cystic fibrosis is where we choose to to dedicate our time and energy yep. and money. Um, and it's hard because there's so many of them. You get, you know, people yes. come and knock on the door and... You get charity fatigue, let's yeah, face it. Yeah, you really do. So, yep. I mean, I think that it, it's so important that you choose your, your one thing that you're passionate about and stick with that. And it's mm. okay to sort of say, oh, this is where I choose to, yep. you know, it, it becomes a lot and very overwhelming. We did ask Jen um, where everybody could access more information about this and she gave us a link to an awesome um, Facebook group. So, we have a, um, a support group on Facebook if anyone has had a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need to do is, is look us up. We're Australian SCAD in brackets, spontaneous coronary artery dissection survivors. Um, and so basically there's around 360 odd members mm-hmm. Australia wide, um, primarily women, but some men as well who have suffered from a SCAD. Um, and also if you're wanting to find out any more information around our, our research group. It's, it's called SCAD Research Australia and you can search for that on Facebook as well. Well, I have loved this discussion. I'm very grateful that we got to speak with Jen. Um, yep. If people have got everyday people that they would like to put forth, and yes. you know, someone's story is mm-hmm. so powerful in continuing to keep the conversation and, and the message out there. Absolutely. Um, don't hesitate to hit us up on Instagram. We're Collective The Wellness. That's right. You um, can get in touch with us there. Yeah, absolutely. Course, you can get in touch with you, Natalie Kringoudis, Nat Kringoudis. Heap on Instagram, Facebook, your website. All of the places. I actually got an email through my website the other day oh. too asking whether we wanted to have a guest on. I thought, oh, well, that's good. Oh, well, you will have very much 50% of the equation. Cecilia <laughs> RamsdaleVoice.com. You can find us in lots of places. Jump onto our Instagram. We were just actually talking about doing some giveaways. So yes. you have to keep an eye out for yes. that. Well, we have done them in the past, but we don't have a lot of followers over there. So I don't think people were actually like realising that they could get some pretty cool stuff. So keep an eye out for that. There you go. Mm -hmm. Until next time, Dr Natalie Kringoudis. Fancy. I will um, look forward to seeing your beautiful luscious locks. And I hope you have found this episode with Jen O'Neill has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. 